Welcome to the Critical Conversations podcast. My name is Brianna Reesing, and I'm a critical care nurse with a true passion for preventative health. I've seen firsthand the impact that poor diet and lifestyle choices can have on us long-term. So with each episode, we'll dive deeper into the realities of our healthcare system, what preventative health truly entails, and what you can do about it. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Bree, and I have Jennifer Klotz, registered dietitian, holistic nutritionist on the other line with me, and we are both beyond excited to begin this conversation. It's 2019, and celery juice is all the rage. I'm not even kidding. When the new year hit, I remember going to the grocery store, and I really wanted to make my favorite soup. I couldn't find celery for the life of me. It was sold out everywhere. Everyone's buying it because they're juicing it. And it's the biggest fad that we need to talk about. We need to talk about why it's popular, why it's trending, but also the risks associated with it and why you need to be a little bit more cautious before you jump into it. We're going to cover all of it and everything in between. And I am so excited to get started. So Jen's on the other line. Hey girl, how's it going? Hey, so good. I'm so (laughs) excited to talk about celery juice. (laughs) Who would have thought celery juice would be the topic of conversation for 2019? But it really is. Like everyone has so many questions and everyone's talking about it and I'm kind of sick of it. So I want to hear what (laughs) you have to say about it. (laughs) Yeah, I will say that practically every new client that I see ask me what my opinion is on the celery juice. Yeah, because it's a magic pill, right? It's magical. Yeah, it's (laughs) magical. It's just going to heal you of all your ails, and all you have to do is drink 16 ounces of celery juice, (laughs) which is kind of true, which we will talk about as to why nutritionally it is making such an impact. There's benefit to it. There is absolutely benefit to it. But I think what's important is, you know, all of us are unique. I'm always talking about how what works for one person is not going to work for another and understanding that celery juice may not work for you is important, I think, for people to hear, but to also know that there are other ways to get the therapeutic benefits that you're seeing people experience and you're motivated by, right? We're all motivated by that. It's exciting to take your health back. But to not feel trapped or stuck if celery juice doesn't work for you and to know that there's reasons why it's helping and that there are things that you can do to get those benefits without doing celery yeah. juice. And don't get discouraged if your friend claims that they lost 20 pounds, their skin cleared up, their digestion improved, their period cramps went away and they never had a migraine headache again. And you drink it and for three days you feel miserable. You can't get off the toilet. You're bloated. <laughs> like everybody is different. Literally everybody is different. And we all have mm-hmm. different bacterial balances and the way food affects us is all going to affect us differently. So I love that you already touched on that. Like Don't be discouraged if you've already tried it and it didn't work for you because Jen's actually going to offer some really powerful insight into other other approaches that are similar that might actually be more beneficial for you. And I just want to put it out there that if you are one of those people that are drinking celery juice every day and you've been doing it for a while and you're experiencing great benefit from it, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you found something that works for you. There's a lot of reasons why Jen and I believe it to be actually working for you, depending on your lifestyle before you started. Mm -hmm. And 
just be mindful of how hard you push it on family and friends, understanding that it's not the right way of going about it for everybody. And if somebody who's tried it says it didn't work for them, accept it, move on from it. Because when I talked about it pretty loudly on social media and my opinions on it, I got some pretty nasty messages from people that were very upset with me for talking negatively about their golden magical celery juice that they had discovered. And I don't know, I just I think it's become another extreme food camp in a sense, like the vegan, vegetarian, paleo, carnivore, whatever you want to call it. It's like almost like celery juice has created a new camp of people. <laughs> so. Because it has, it really has. I lovingly call it, you know, celery bullying. Because I, I think if you're in the wellness sphere, you see it. And it makes me sad because... It's exciting that people are experiencing such amazing benefits, but just because you are you are experiencing them doesn't mean that someone else will. And to be mean and to be ununderstanding that everyone is different, it just makes makes it just is hard to watch that and see that. And yeah, that's why I'm really glad we're having this conversation yeah. because I always tell everyone the first step in any wellness journey is understanding that what works for you may not work for others. And while you can share what's working for you, that doesn't mean that one, they have to take it and that two, that they're going to experience the same benefit that yeah, you did. Absolutely. And I think for those of you that have tuned into this episode and you might quite possibly have never heard of anybody drinking celery juice before, if that mm-hmm. is possible, I'm sure <laughs> um, if your friend, neighbor, cousin, grandma hasn't talked about celery juice yet, you'll hear a little bit more insight into this new fad. We were joking before this episode, like celery juice is the new kale and before, mm-hmm. and then kale was the new coconut oil and coconut oil was the new goji berry. It seems like every year or two, there's a, a new superfood, a new like save all magic pill that's a one individualized single food that is deemed magical in a sense that it can do all of these things for you. Mm-hmm. So I think we just need to dive into it. What do you want to tackle first? Do you want to talk about benefits or risks or what do you think is the first step? Let's talk about why it is working okay. because I think people need to know that we're not anti-celery. I, I actually genuinely want people to eat celery. Oh, I love I think celery. The big, I know it's the best food ever. <laughs> it really is, which is why it is a popular trend because in general, most people do like celery. It's only a small camp that's like, oh, I can't stand the taste of celery. I hate it. Believe me, I've worked with clients that cannot stand the taste of celery. But in general, most people can eat celery. And I honestly is- didn't used to like it, if I'm going to be completely okay, transparent. So there you go. <laughs> but I now that I look back on it, like I remember the hardest thing for me was chewing it like breaking it off and having it actually break off and not have like the threads yeah. tearing yep. like holding on to the other piece Getting and like having a hard time. and now that I buy my own groceries and like I'm aware of like quality produce mm-hmm. I think the reason I didn't like it is I was eating like old celery or like celery that had been on the shelf for too long or maybe it had been transported to the grocery store over long periods of time and maybe the celery that I'm buying now is just fresher. I do live in California and I have 
that I'm privileged to have access to a lot of fresher produce. And I think that does have something to say with it. So I don't know. I didn't used to like it. And I think having like a fresh organic piece of celery makes the world a difference. Mm -hmm. If the celery you're eating is extremely chewy, it's probably not fresh. Yeah. If it, if it, if you bend it and it doesn't snap, (laughs) it's probably a little too old. (laughs) Yes. And so that's, that's an important thing though, because in general, with getting more fruits and vegetables into your diet, understanding the freshness and good produce to buy is half the battle. Because once someone has tried something that is at the height of being picked and it's fresh and delicious, it changes the conversation with, oh, eat more vegetables because you've tasted something that tastes really yeah, good. You can actually enjoy it. Right. For sure. And so with that, I will say that in general, because of the nutritional profile of celery, that is why people are noticing differences. I usually explain it simply to people by saying celery is like drinking a multivitamin. And in general, uh, America as a population. So just a simple stat to kind of explain it is that 92% of all Americans have at least one vitamin deficiency. Not low, not could be better, like full-blown deficiency. Which 92% means you're, of people. 92% of people. Which is why, in general, if you make a concerted effort to add something into your diet that has a broad spectrum of vitamins and minerals, which may hit on your one nutrient deficiency, you are going to feel instantly better across the board. Yeah, makes because sense. Because nutrient deficiencies, they can cause fatigue, they can cause sleep issues, they can cause joint pain, they can cause inflammation, they can cause bleeding of the gums, they can cause skin issues. Headaches. <laughs> Headaches, you go down the list and just one nutrient can practically explain a lot of people's chronic symptoms. And it's very unlikely if you're listening to this that you're the lucky 8% that does not have a nutrient deficiency. And I promise you, if you even have one chronic symptom that you always notice, whether it's bloating or headaches, like you mentioned, or chronically tired, you are in the spectrum where you definitely most likely have a deficiency going on. Something's probably out of balance. Yes. And so in general, if you're having any health issues, the first place I start is, okay, get a high quality multivitamin because changing one's diet takes some time. It takes some effort. Uh, It's hard for a lot of people, but taking a high quality multivitamin, and we're not talking about a one a day here that's a hard tablet that your body is not going to break down and get nutrients <laughs> from. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast we're going to have to have. Yeah, about. supplement quality is yeah, a huge supplement conversation. Quality. But a high quality multivitamin and it can instantly within three days change how you're feeling just from doing that. So what and, you're saying that the multivitamin is similar or equivalent to going from someone who never ate celery or drank any sort of nutrition in the morning, probably just had coffee of some sort or some other caffeine drink or maybe a soda with their donut or croissant or some other standard American start to the day. And then they start drinking a large glass of green juice from a vegetable. It's equivalent in a way to starting your day with a high quality multivitamin. 
Yes. It's simply put, it's a light switch effect. Yeah. You go from very little nutrition, very little water to suddenly starting your day with water and not dehydrating yourself with coffee or tea and also getting a nutritious hit yeah. that your body's like, I can use this. I know what to do with it. It's going to help. Yeah. And you feel that. I recognize that these nutrients. I can actually start the day with this and you're going to feel better for it. Yes. And I think it's also really important to, again, point out, so like for some simple examples, so nine out of 10 Americans are deficient in potassium and celery is an excellent source of potassium. Seven out of 10 Americans are deficient in calcium. And again, celery contains calcium. Eight out of 10 Americans are deficient in vitamin E and celery contains vitamin E. And one of the cool things about celery is that it actually contains three out of the four fat-soluble vitamins. And fat-soluble vitamins are essential for skin health and just overall health in general, especially with inflammation. And so many people do not get enough of the fat-soluble vitamins. So again, you're starting your day giving yourself something that will be easily absorbed because it is juiced and most likely something that you're extremely deficient in. Yeah. So with that, that being said, though, any uh, lots of fruits and vegetables are going to provide this level of nutrition, which, again, is why the juice trend took off, because, again, you're switching your diet from something that's nutrient devoid to starting your day with a multivitamin hit where your body's like, thank you, I was desperate for this stuff. And I was trying to tell you this by, you know, all of these different symptoms and you just were not listening. to Yeah, me. I mean, most people probably don't drink water first thing when they wake up. I typically didn't used to. It just wasn't part of my routine. I was more likely to just like get up and start getting ready and then come down, make breakfast, eat a little something and or just drink coffee or tea or matcha before I leave for the day and water would come later. So it's already just a, a source of hydration overall mm -hmm. else. You're just hydrating your cells before and then hydrating your cells with different vitamins and nutrition on top of that that's just it's a it's an influx it's a change it's it's better nutrition than what you previously were doing most likely unless you're somebody who wakes up drinks 20 ounces of water makes a beautiful fresh organic smoothie like mm -hmm. you're probably not going to notice a difference if you start drinking celery juice before your smoothie like your your body's already used to that nutrition in the morning um I want to, we could go in so many different directions with this conversation. <laughs> I think that's what I'm struggling with the most. I don't mm -hmm. want to skip over anything. I think back to me talking about not liking celery previously because the quality of the celery I was eating and it was soggy and it was hard to bite through. That matters. So if you're not making the celery juice yourself and you're going to a juice shop, it's who's to say the celery's fresh recently delivered from a f local organic farm or has it been sitting on the shelf for five days and it's already pretty void of nutrition and they're just juicing it because it's popular right now and they know you'll buy it it's hard to say if you're buying it at a juice shop if you're getting the same quality as if you were making it fresh at home and when you're making mm -hmm. it fresh at home you know that you just bought that celery yesterday you know that it's organic and from what i've heard when you juice fruits and vegetables the sooner you drink it 
the better the nutritional quality is because everything's getting exposed to air and the longer it sits on the shelf, you're actually not getting as many vitamins and nutrition out of it that you think you are. Yes. The nutrient quality diminishes very quickly after you've juiced any fruit or vegetable. So really the real true way to get the true nutrition is to put the juicer on your kitchen counter, juice the celery and drink it right then and there every morning, go through that whole process. That's the best way to do it. Yes. If the barrier to trying it or in general, any health change is just tasting it and making it easier at first, then obviously juice shops and those options are a good way to create and initiate change. But in general, it's always good to work towards knowing where your food is coming from and knowing that the nutritional quality of it is going to be the best. And since you brought it up, that's a big thing with this celery juice trend that I see some lack of understanding with some people is the fact that, you know, organic celery is what you want to be choosing because conventionally grown celery is actually highly contaminated with pesticides. Yeah. And the type of pesticides that can affect, you know, your central nervous system and your endocrine system. So we're talking about nerve issues and we're talking about hormone issues. And microbiome. Yes, which is heavily going to affect that because the pesticides, a lot of them that we're exposed to, are being correlated with the rise in gut issues that we're seeing. Right. So the awareness of that factor is important because when you do something, you are then making sure that those pesticides hit your bloodstream and get highly absorbed as opposed to if you were even eating it whole. Yeah. If you're juicing anything, guys, like I can't recommend organic enough because you are – if you eat celery as a snack with like a bowl of hummus or something, you might end up eating at most one, two to three individual or they're not called stocks the whole thing's called a stock what do you call an individual celery stick stick yeah we're called <laughs> stick. Celery stick. Um, at most <laughs> i can't imagine you would eat more than two to three like full 10 12 inch sticks because that's no. a lot of fiber to intake so much fiber. and what i think a lot of people don't realize the importance of organic when you're juicing is when i made my own celery juice at home because i It was all by accident because I got this huge delivery from a local farm and they sent me like four stalks of celery and they were gigantic. They were like bigger than 12 inches each. And I was like, well, I guess it's time for me to try some celery juice. Uh And I was actually shocked. They were big, fresh. I did it the day I got them. It took an entire stalk of gigantic celery to make six ounces of juice. Uh So if you're going to be drinking what they quote unquote, like fad is, is 16 ounces, right? That's two to three stalks of celery, which is like maybe 10 to 12 sticks per stalk. Mm -hmm. So that's where the organic versus pesticide conversation comes in. Because when you're drinking juice, that's from a conventional vegetable and you're juicing three of those giant stalks, that's a lot more pesticides than you would eat if you were just eating a couple sticks of celery for a snack. Yeah. It's just something to be considered. And I'm obviously yeah. very passionate about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely something to pay attention to because it will impact your long-term health. And that's yeah, just the, the truth of it. And since we're on this topic, one of the things that I like people to be aware of with celery juice is that when you are drinking 
the amount that is recommended, which is 16 ounces, like you mentioned, but some people are going way overboard and they're drinking 32 ounces a day. (laughs) It's really important to know that when you're drinking that level of celery juice and it's raw, that it can cause goiters. And this is because... And goiters are tumors near or on your thyroid, correct? Yeah. So it's when you're... Basically, they form when you're not getting enough iodine in the body, and um, that's the reaction you get. And with raw celery juice, it actually can suppress your body's ability to absorb iodine due to some of the other compounds that are in there. Interesting. And so, in general, if you have a history of any thyroid condition, including hyper or hypothyroid Hashimoto's, and you already know that your thyroid um, needs extra love then the awareness of this factor is really important. So you said the more you say it again in the explanation of how it's affecting the thyroid and the goiter formation. Right. So if you're just eating three stalks of celery a day, no problem whatsoever. And in fact, it's probably supporting thyroid health due to the nutrients that you're getting in celery. Mm -hmm. But because the trend is 16 ounces of celery juice, especially raw and or higher, this can basically blunt the absorption of iodine in the body because it's at such a high quantity. And because you're not absorbing iodine the way that you should, it can trigger goiters. That's really interesting. I honestly didn't know that. And thyroid issues are very common. And I think a lot of people are even borderline hypothyroid and they don't even know it. Mm -hmm. So that in itself is just one of those things, like before you go all in, you need to realize the risks associated with the benefits of what you're about to do because it's celery juice is something that people are doing routinely on a daily basis. If it's something you just want to enjoy every now and then, right. more power to you. I think that's great. It's a boost of nutrition. Mm-hmm. I actually really enjoyed it when I made it for myself. It was a lot of work. I won't do it every day. But mm-hmm. if I have extra celery laying around, I will for sure drink it again. Yes. I think it's delicious. I genuinely really enjoyed drinking celery juice, but I also fully understand that there are limits that should be drawn with it. And understanding the limits, which is why we're having this great conversation, makes it become something that instead of this perfectionistic making sure that you hit the trend, you actually listen to your body and modify it to work for your needs. And one of those starting needs is do I or do I not have a history of thyroid issues. If it's a yes, then doing 16 ounces a day may or may not be your best option. Doing six to eight ounces even to start a day, a better option. Yeah. And that's really interesting too, because there could be some people that are feeling great drinking celery juice every day because that initial change with your dietary pattern is giving you that immediate benefits, making you feel more awake, more alert but you might also have an underlying thyroid issue and long-term this daily habit that hasn't been scientifically proven to technically be safe to be drinking and consuming that much celery juice regularly, it could actually end up hurting you in the long run. And that's why this conversation is being had because just like with any fad that has been a fad, (laughs) Jen and I both very much like to just come back to the reality of variety and simplifying your nutrition and simplifying your routine and not overdoing it on any one specific thing. Yeah, variety is really key because in general, that allows you to get 
a full nutrient profile because, again, 92% of all Americans have one nutrient deficiency. And part of that is because, in general, most people only eat 30 foods. Oh, and that's the extent of their variety. And it is also an issue because when you only eat that limited of a diet, it opens the door of opportunity for food sensitivities and food allergies to be triggered because your body is only seeing and being exposed to a limited amount of food. And it just creates the door of opportunity for one day for it to decide, oh, wow, that, you know, she eats broccoli every single day. And say you get a cold or you have a really stressful event happen that triggers an immune response because you're constantly eating broccoli it creates the opportunity for your body to see broccoli and decide, okay, we hate broccoli now because of this immune triggering event that you had over several days and you were constantly eating also broccoli over those same several days. And it's just a correlating factor that I think more people need to become aware of, of the fact that we're also seeing a rise in food sensitivities because we do eat such a limited diet. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, and it's such a huge surge, like 16 ounces of celery juice is technically two to three stalks of celery first thing in the morning every single day. Like, when's the last time you bought three stalks of celery and had three stalks of celery in your fridge and actually utilized it even over a week? You know, it's just something to think about as far as bombarding your body with too much of a good thing, in a sense. Yes, because there is actually really interesting research on celery, but it's very preliminary. I will just throw that out there, but um, especially like in the category of the antioxidants and the compounds that can be found in celery and its association with potentially reducing your cancer risk. When I was looking at those studies, several of them were quick to point out that we don't know what the threshold beneficial factor is with how much of this compound is good versus then triggering over to the other side where it can cause cancer. So, and I think in general with any food, there is always an upper limit, no matter if it's in a good category. And for example, to go to kale, there is uh, basically um, what's called oxalates in kale, which is a compound that you can get way too much of and it can cause kidney stones and joint pain and chronic fatigue because if your body cannot process out the level of oxalates that you're eating, it will trigger issues. Yeah, and And just underlying inflammation that you can't really pinpoint. But if you're eating kale every single day, like kale has so many great benefits and great nutrition But I also was recently listening to a podcast. I forget who was speaking. It it honestly might have been Dr. Gundry. Um, And he said something about kale being so bitter when it's completely raw and not covered with olive oil and lemon juice Mm -hmm. or steamed. And there's something to be said for the taste of a food in its natural state. Yes. That bitterness is there to show you if you were out foraging for food – and you were to bite into a kale leaf, you wouldn't really want to eat a ton of it because that bitterness is kind of a warning signal. And then suddenly in this day and age with the all the research being done about the individual benefits of the individualized foods that are available to us, we suddenly get these surcharges of these superfoods in our diet and every restaurant and every meal includes kale. 
you're yes. suddenly eating a lot more than you ever used to. And that's a great point. Like oxalates is just one component of it, but that bitterness factor is a natural component to just be like, hey, you can eat this. It's not totally poisonous to you, but don't eat too much because like you said, there's that threshold. Like where is that line at? We don't have a marker in our bodies. If our mouths could measure that while we're eating, it would be great Uh (laughs) to give us a little bit of a warning signal. But usually we don't get the warning signal until the inflammation and everything has kicked in down the road after being exposed to it for too long, for months, for years possibly. Mm -hmm. And a good rule of thumb is if you're sick of eating something, that's your body's way of trying to tell you to pick something else. Um, it, it, it's amazing to me um, with all of these trends. Um, I'm constantly trying to coach women on being like, look, a kale salad is amazing, but a kale salad every single day. And you're complaining to me about extreme bloating, you know, mid afternoon. That can 100% be from your kale salad. And you're choosing to ignore that your body is not liking the kale salad because in general, the wellness industry and the craze is telling you that kale cannot be bad for you. It cannot harm you. It's only good. Like eat more and more and more and more of it. And you ignore your own body's signal of saying, no, I'm not digesting this well. This is not hitting my system well. You do you need to figure out why it's triggering bloating? Yes, but you cannot we learn to ignore symptoms from supposed good things because they're so good for us. Yeah. And that is like the worst thing that we can do for our long-term health. And I think we get brainwashed into a sense where we lose a bit of that intuition, that inner knowing, that ability to pay attention to how certain foods are making us feel because you've heard time and time again how good celery juice is for you or how yes. good kale is for you. So if you don't feel well, you don't think it's the kale. You yes. just blame it on the cookie you had three days yes. ago. <laughs> and it's probably not the cookie. <laughs> you know, which like is, which everyone's so... <laughs> yes. It could not be. Like there is... Every person is born with at least one or two or three foods that are never going to agree with your system, no matter how hard you try. And your mom maybe even noticed when you were a baby, you might've gotten reactions to these foods, but then, you know, the the quote unquote, you grow out of it when in fact your body just chooses a different way of expressing that it doesn't like it. So instead of the rash that you got as a kid, now instead you get three o'clock headaches. Yeah. But because it's not the rash that you uh, knew was associated with that food when you were little and it went away, you didn't attach this new symptom with potentially that food that suddenly seemed like you could eat because you stopped getting rashes with it. I mean, I think we are supposed to have an intuitive knowing and we're supposed to know what's good for us, but I mean everything's prepared for us we are we don't have our hands on the food we we don't eat slow enough to pay attention you know like there's so many factors so many distractions like i can give my dog a piece of cucumber and she loves it i try to give her what does she hate i try and give her a lemon or a piece of apple or even banana like she has certain things where she smells it and she's like nope i'm not supposed to eat that and she just walks away Mm -hmm. in she knows mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't and force her with otherwise. That. We're actually born with that ability, which is why I I'm, talk about intuitive eating all the time. We are actually born intuitive eaters. It's just that 
you know, the people who raise us are taught to force food yeah. into us. Society might forces be- you. Yeah, it does. It really does. Like, the classic example is that, you know, baby fed baby, uh, babies, uh, bottle fed babies, um, because the mom can actually see how much formula is left in the bottle, even though the baby pushes the bottle away and says, I'm done. If we even see, you know, half of an inch left, we're going to stick it back into the baby's mouth and say, no, no, finish it. Because supposedly this is how much you're supposed to eat. Interesting. When in fact, when babies are breastfed, you cannot see right. the amount that's left in the breast. And so the force feeding is actually much less in breastfed babies. And they actually maintain more of their intuitive eating skills into the weaning phase because the mom can't stress about seeing, oh, they left something in the bottle. That's really interesting. It's an important conversation to have because we're being taught that if you don't finish something, that that you're starving or you're not going to get the nutrients you need when in fact it's an important skill to maintain as far as your hunger and fullness cues. And babies have strong hunger and fullness cues. They literally know when they are full versus when they are hungry. And then we just ruin that. We ruin <laughs> we it. Down the road. We ruin it. Because even then when the, as soon as they can start eating and snacking, if they whimper, like parents are yes. more likely just to put a snack in their face and just be like, here, eat, when really there could be so many other things going on with it. So many other factors. And we don't allow them to choose what they're eating. Yeah. So I think a big thing is give putting out three or four different snacks and allowing them to choose because that again still allows them to be using their innate knowing. Yeah, whether or not you need more carbohydrates or more yes. fat that day or maybe yes. the the vitamin rich apple is more appealing than the slice of cheese, you know? It could be Correct. so many factors. That's And there's so many cool really studies with this on the fact that children are less likely to have nutrient deficiencies when they are allowed to be making food choices that are being chosen for them, but they're they have options that are healthy choices for them and they will choose based on what their body is telling them. And then we we continue to eliminate this ability by saying you have to clear your plate. And then by the time we're adults, we've completely lost touch with our hunger and fullness cues. We've lost touch with looking at food and and asking ourselves if that's really what we want yeah, versus how, how is that food making me feel? Yes. We learn to tune it all out, and which is why reconnecting with your body and how food is affecting you is so vital in anyone's wellness journey, but especially if you have any type of chronic illness or chronic symptom that just keeps nagging you, learning how to tune back into your body is really key in order to heal. Yeah. I mean my own personal story and journey with food is like it speaks volumes to that because when I was in college I was handed a pamphlet brainwashed to become a vegan and went vegan because of what everyone else was telling me and at that time it felt right and I felt like I should do it and I continued on that path and I intuitively knew it wasn't always working for me Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I didn't really do anything about it until I was really sick and I had severe digestive issues and fatigue and borderline depression and a rash all over my body and other symptoms that I can't even, I could list on and on Mm -hmm. forever. 
but I didn't fully listen to the fact that what I was eating was no longer working for me until my body was yelling at me. Right. <laughs> and the thing is, I have the same experience with my own health issues because to heal all the chronic stuff that I was having, and I think in general, lots of people are on the same journey, is you can do the recommend di- recommended diet. So like AIP, the autoimmune protocol, the candida diet, doing keto for um, autoimmune issues, or even, you know, all these, this long list of things. But the big thing that you have to understand is that, that it's a starting point to helping you heal, but you have to be able to tune back into your own body and figure out what works for you. Because for example, one of the things that everyone kept telling me was that I was having these extreme issues and I couldn't be eating carbs. Like my gut bacteria was never going to get better or more balanced if I didn't stop eating carbs or eliminating sugar. And it was not until one day I literally was in the grocery store, the fruit section was screaming at me, the carbohydrate section was screaming at me. And I literally stopped and I was like, Jennifer, you're ignoring what your body wants and you feel like crap. It's not working. Yeah, so why it not, not try, and give it, try and change a little bit? Yes, I was like, what are you going to break? And I think everyone needs to hear that. What are you breaking? Because that's the lie, right? Oh, if I, if I start reintroducing foods or bringing this back in, I'm going to make it worse. When in fact, the truth is, actually, if you start bringing back in foods that you are craving or that you are noticing that you know are not going to harm your health because we're not talking about jelly beans here yeah we're talking about produce section (laughs) yes um then there is no risk in that there is only potential reward in your body going oh thank you i was desperate for this nutrition and you listened that's so powerful i think that goes full circle in the sense of why people decide to go full steam ahead when they hear about the newest fad the newest thing oh it's worked for so and so you have to try this they read it in magazines they see it on tv like celebrities are doing it all of their best friends are doing it it ta- it goes against all intuition to do what everyone else is doing because we have become so disconnected from knowing what our bodies need that we just do what everyone else tells us to do. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the like the power of this conversation lies is really just stepping back, being skeptical of all the fads. And I didn't open my eyes to that until I was at my worst health and literally stepped away from all of the things I was doing, all of the supplements, all of the everything, all of the ways I was eating were gone because it was no longer working for me. I had to do a crazy strict elimination diet, which sucked. I had mm-hmm. to turn down social obligations and things like that or show up with my own foods for for a small amount of time. It was three months of my life. It seemed mm-hmm. like it was torture, but it got me back into noticing how certain foods were making me feel. It was what mm-hmm. I needed at the time. I was sick enough to need to go to that level. And really, it was like studying my body again and like just eating one simple food and not introducing anything else for a few more days and eating a di- another thing. The diet's a little bit more complicated than that, but it just, it gets you back in tune with how certain things are making you feel and you're doing what works for you, not what works for everybody else. Yes, and you have full permission to do that. Yeah, I think we all need permission to listen to our own bodies and to understand that 
your motivator could be lemon water in the morning. It might not be celery juice. It could and, just be a glass of water in the morning if cutting <laughs> a lemon is too hard. <laughs> right? But I think that's the thing though, because with celery juice, that's the other big important thing is that 90, it's 95% water. And I think it's important to mention that especially with like severe eczema and skin conditions, which this is one of the big things that celery juice is helping with. And it makes total sense that it's helping with that because when you have any of these type of skin conditions, your skin does not hold on to water the way that it should. Most people are lacking some of the proper compounds to effectively retain water, which is putting them at increased risk to have things like eczema or atopic dermatitis, things like that. So understanding that if you have eczema and you were never starting your day with water, you were never drinking anything, but starting it with coffee or tea or just not drinking anything, just eating breakfast. If you make the switch and you say, okay, I'm going to try the celery juice thing. And you start drinking 16 ounces of celery juice, which is 95% water and giving your body a huge hit of water that allows the skin to actually get an important essential compound that it's not getting otherwise, that's going to make just alone a dramatic difference yeah. in your skin health. Yeah. And to just give a little like anatomy lesson, I guess, in a sense, for those of you that don't really understand why the skin would be depleted in that sense, because the skin's one of our largest organs, and yet it's go- going to get nutrition and hydration and other things last. It's not a mm-hmm. vital organ. Mm-hmm. Your body is trying to keep you alive at every given second of your mm-hmm. life. So whatever nutrition you do have in your body, and like Jen said, most people have nutrient deficiencies. So your body is clinging on to what it has. It's giving those things to the most important organs like your brain and your heart. And then it's going to give it to your kidneys and your liver and your digestive mm-hmm. system from there. Your skin's going to get things last. Mm-hmm. So that's why skin is such an interesting like measure of overall health because you start to see changes in it probably first. Yes. And honestly, if you have any skin stuff going on, a thousand percent, there is things going on on the nutritional level that you are not getting that your body is using for other things, just like Brie explained, because your skin is unnecessary. It is not keeping you from dying in its own, in the simplest sense. Obviously you need it and it is, but it's the last resort. And so in general, if someone comes to me with complaints of skin stuff, there is a deep level of nutrition that needs to be addressed because your body is screaming at you in the loudest way possible that it needs some love. And you can do that with diet and you can do that with lifestyle. And I think in general, if you have, you know, really bad eczema or really bad skin rashes, that it's important for me to tell you that there is so much hope and that the body is designed to heal and it's designed to win. And if you just give it a little bit of love with some very targeted nutrition, that you can see such amazing changes. And it doesn't just have to come from deciding to drink celery juice. I think that's the most powerful ending, and I know this conversation needs to continue. Yes, I have so much more to tell you about celery We are going to keep talking, but everyone else is going to have to wait at least one more week to hear. Okay. I think that was a great end 
to the beginning of this conversation. What would happen if your entire day was no longer filled with confusion about what was healthy and what was not? Our society has complicated wellness and it shouldn't be that way. She Day is a day that changes everything. At She Day, our goal is to have you leave fully equipped and inspired to make simple changes that actually work for your life. You'll find a space to learn about sustainable, healthy, ethical living where your unique journey is celebrated. Wondering if you should eat breakfast or if something like intermittent fasting is better for you? Are you having unexplained chronic symptoms that your doctor just can't seem to figure out? Have you ever considered that the things that you put on your body and bring into your home are affecting your health? There is so much more to wellness than just food and exercise. She Day is designed to cut through all the noise and overwhelm. It's a full day of education and inspiration designed to give you clarity on what your unique life of wellness looks like and what your body needs now. This isn't a fair. It isn't a festival. It's a one-day retreat designed for you to join an absolutely incredible community of women breaking down barriers and misinformation that have been holding you back. I'm Heather Young, a certified yoga therapist. And this is Jennifer Klutz, a registered dietitian, and we're two sisters on a mission to help women rediscover wellness that works. Seriously, we've designed She Day from start to finish to give you the knowledge, power, and resources to create, restore, and take back your health. We get to come to four cities in 2019. Find out where and get more information and tickets at shechangeseverything.com. We hope to see you there.